Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Friday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler, and on this occasion I am joined by Duncan Mackay. Hello. And Tony Anderson. Good evening, how are we doing? The Friday Europe boys are back. Yeah, yeah. I feel that. I want to be, that's what I want to be from now on. Uh, well, it could European be Tony. Could be Tony, we're both free next Friday, but Duncan is not. So, oh. screw you oh, Duncan. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll, def- I'll definitely sign up for next Friday as we yes. speak. Hopefully we'll get Robin as well, otherwise it'll just be the two of us because nobody else is available next Friday. It's only two games, so it's not the end of the world if that happens. That's true. We could talk about some other things, some <clears throat> memorable Scotland game. I think the next one is Scotland 2 left inside one. So That's memorable. I, that believe, people, Steve I Manus, cannot course, believe yeah. people voted for that. I'm <laughs> it's curious. like 32nd in the top 50. <laughs> I hate I hated that game so much. Like I, I I like I lost my shit so much over that game. Was like, that Stephen McManus scored the ninety seventh minute winner? Is that right? Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> people will be streaming in to tune into that one. So there of we go. Of course, I. It'll be our most listened to show ever. Obviously, <laughs> right. So. We'll be looking back just basically for the next 45 minutes over the four European games that took place on Thursday night involving Rangers, Aberdeen, Celtic and Motherwell and we will do them exactly in that order. So we shall begin with Rangers, or sorry, should I say, Willem 2 nil Rangers 4. So, maybe we shouldn't have started this one because I'm I'm the only one to watch this game and I'm just going to have to just launch into speaking about it. So maybe somebody ask me a question. Tony, ask me a question. Um... What shape did Rangers start? Did, did Morelos start? I've not looked at anything to do with this game apart from just following what you said yesterday. Did Morelos start up front? Morelos started up front. They'd done their usual system. Um, maybe a, a wee bit more kind of defensive in the centre of the park because they kind of do seem to flip between, you know, it's always a kind of 4-3-3 variation, but sometimes they have a proper number 10, sometimes they don't. With um, Aribo not playing, and had you playing on the right, it was Arfield was kind of the most advanced of the midfield. So, you, you know, you wouldn't really call him a number 10. And apart from that, I think that was pretty much the, the Rangers team you would expect. The only really surprises in terms of the selection was that Jordan Jones came off the bench and actually looked all right. Looked, um, looked about as good as Brandon Barker's looked at any point over the last year and a half. Well, Barker also has decent hair. 
It's certainly better than Brandon Barker's, definitely. So they are, and I'm completely bald. <laughs> <laughs> on, uh, on last night's performance, I was going to ask, your clean sheet and stuff like that, um, has, has McGregor re- regained the number one spot? I think it definitely has. Like, so he, he nearly made a complete fuck-up uh, very early on in this game. About 15 minutes in, there was a shot from about 22, 25 yards at the very most. It was hit with power, but it was right at him. And he, he, he really made a mess of it. He tried to, to gather it first time, ended up kind of pulling it up and hitting the ball off his oh, chin. And it, it kind of like dropped to the side. The striker came in. It was a Greek striker, Vasilis, I think his name was. And such an easy chance. Like six yards out, ball's just there. Stick it in. He hits the top of the crossbar and it goes over. Mm. And they've had, a, they've had a no bad chance just before then as well. And you're kind of thinking, holy shit, Rangers are in trouble here. But uh, before we get to that, McGregor, after that, he did make uh, some very good saves. There was a save late on from Vasilas where it was ruled out for uh, handball because McGregor made the save first of all and then it kind of came back and he pushed it over the line with his hand. But McGregor's initial save was excellent. And he made a couple of other ones that weren't quite as good as that, but also very impressive as well. So overall, I think while he, while he kind of had that initial mistake, you maybe put that down a bit of rustiness. It's his first game since the Aberdeen match, I think. It and would have been, sorry, it would have been really interesting if McGregor brought back in after McLaughlin's had essentially, out of that, out of all their clean sheets, he got six of them, is that right? Um, and then the goals against Hibs, you would argue, had nothing to do with with him whatsoever so it would have been really really interesting if what would Gerard say how would, how would you handle that type of questioning if suddenly get turned around where you've dropped a goalie who's been outstanding for you this season you bring your bring a sort of legend in and then he, the first thing he does is sell the jersey it that would be, be fun it would, be, it would have been a difficult one because you don't think he would have gone immediately back to McLaughlin but he would have had to kind of probably play McGregor for a few more games and hope they didn't fuck up again but it worked it all right for them then. They got lucky. And I think Rangers very much did ride their luck in the opening. Uh, like, well, until Kent scored, which I think was about 17 minutes. Because I thought Willem 2 started the game, or Willem 2 uh, started the game very well. And the Rangers were very sloppy, to be fair. It was kind of some of their own doing. Uh, the Morelos was barely in the game because the balls towards them, for the most part, were nowhere anywhere near them. Just kind of getting played aimlessly to like the flanks. Hadji kept giving the ball away. Davis came on to a very good match, but he was really poor in the opening 15 as well. Very slack position. Barisic had a shocking start and kind of settled down and was okay after that. Again, he looked a wee bit subdued. I think there's a, I think Rangers fans are speculating that he picked up a knock on international duty because he's not quite looked the same since. He was taken off early in the, in the Dundee United game kind of due to that. And obviously against Hibs, he didn't really do much. and He didn't really do too much last night either. But after they got the, the opening goal, which was... Davis, like I say, he did start well opening 15, but then he played a great great ball over the top for Kent to run on to. Kent, by the way, in the opening 50 minutes, still, was still good. Like, he was the only Rangers player that actually, you know, started the game very well. He had, he was quite unlucky when he made a very good run early on. And as he was kind of looking up to see the ball, his eyes got kind of caught in the floodlight. So he kind of lost the flight and he had to like put his hand up. And when the ball dropped, he kind of like dropped and went between his legs. Like actually kind of got caught between his legs. <laughs> and then he just kind of like, well, he was able to hop round and turn round to <laughs> the ball between his legs and drop it and shoot. That was just enough for like the defender to, and I think eventually like knocked out or play himself, uh, Kent. But he also had a very kind of dangerous cross, uh, uh, like right across the face of goal. 
So he gets the penalty. I think it's a dive. Uh, he's certainly looking for it goes down, but there's one angle that makes it look like a stick-on dive. There's another angle where it does look like the defender does make contact with Kent's trailing leg. I think he might be on the way down, but the thing is, is that the defender didn't really put up any protestations at all, and that doesn't necessarily mean he might just be a guy who thinks it's useless to argue with referees. But usually, if a player's that's, dived... That's not European football. Like that, yeah, like, usually, there's, usually there's, if there's a player's dived... gesticulation, at least, like, to... You know. I, I don't think... I don't know if there was enough there. I don't think I would have given a penalty myself, but I could see, especially for the, the referee's angles, the one that looked, made it look most like a penalty, so I could certainly see why I gave it. Uh-huh. Tavernier, backward penalty, duty stepped up, scored. And then, not long after, Rangers scored again. Uh, Kent, this time, actually getting the goal. And from that point forward, they settled down a bit. I mean, the, the, the rest of the half, I suppose, that Willem Tway kind of still put a wee bit of pressure on, but they never really... I think they had one more chance towards the end of the half. Other than that, they never really looked like scoring for, for much of the... Uh, like, they never really looked like getting back in it, I think is what I'm, I'm meaning to say. And the, the second two goals, headers from set pieces, uh, well... One was, I think, after a set piece had broke down, then Kent played in a good ball for Hollander to head across the goalie. And then the last one was just really poor. It was just like a just a corner for Tavs on at the back post. And like it just went into a ruck of players. And then you just see the ball kind of dribbling at the corner. Goldson celebrating. <laughs> okay. like quite quite shite defended for the home side. But it would have been a very different game if they'd managed to tuck away that early chance. All of a sudden, then you put a lot of pressure on Rangers. They've not started the game particularly well. They're probably not as pushed as high up the park as they are when, when Davis plays that through ball for Kent. So things might have been different. But ultimately, once they got themselves in front, I mean, you can't really stick your nose up too much at a 4-0 away from home to a Dutch team that's good enough to get in the Europa League. Yeah, I mean, I got some uh, from notes from uh, noted podcaster Ewan Taylor, and that was one of the points he was that he wanted to point out was the, the fact that even with Rangers having a penalty, their XG was lower than than Willem, Willem Twa, Willem Twa, or whatever. So, and yeah, which is quite remarkable uh, for for Rangers, given that it's quite and, remarkable for a four 0 scoreline. Yeah, uh, and given that how how many chances Rangers have created this season, you know that that actually, yeah, it was kind of the inverse of a lot of their games so far this season. Yeah. So yeah, it was job done. Really, I think that's just about it. The they didn't. Morelos still doesn't look like he did in the European games that we saw him like last season or even like the season before, where he's doing so much kind of physical work against defenders, and that's something that I've just really not seen from him a lot this season. And I don't know if that speaks to his lack of hunger, whether his heart's not in it as much. But so he's had his head turned between Easter Road. <laughs> On, but even the, even at him on story, Sunday and then even at, no, Thursday. I mean, he still played well at games this season, and I think he was reasonable. His head enough. was literally turned on Sunday. By, I think uh, he, <laughs> he <laughs> smashed. <laughs> I think uh, I think he played well enough against Hibs, but it's he, still. I think we'll still to see a vintage Morelos performance this campaign, where he just completely physically dominates the defender. Yeah, he doesn't. He's not the handful for like two two centre halves like it was last season. Aye, the um, irritant factor. They just yeah. you just don't ever know where he, like where he is. I think like and we see like Sunday as well. I think Hibbs been able to get under his skin quite easily, and not normally like last year that would happen, and he would sort of get his back up, and you would see it in his performance levels and his work rate. 
and is, is backing in. But then it would just became more, it was more petulance and frustration. Uh, and so I like Porteous and, and Hibs maybe got the better of them there, which uh, I wouldn't necessarily have seen as the case last season. And maybe that's just another example of, I can't be fucked with this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Sell me to um, legal, please. Yeah, I've been try. I've been saying for months. I'm a petulant Colombian. Get me out of here. Yeah, <laughs> hosted by Ant and Dick. It's <laughs> um, just Morelos. Yeah. <laughs> for a month, I know, I trying to leave a French cops <laughs> trying to bid on him in a strange <laughs> auction. <laughs> Port just throwing stuff at him. Yeah, he has to do. He has to do various Rangers themed challenges. He has to go on an orange walk. He has to. He has to go. He has to have a few pounds. A few pints. A few pints in the Loudoun Tavern. Fine, sign me up. I'll watch it. Yeah, we should. We should probably just nip these in the bud right there before we get ourselves into trouble. Tony, save us, please. Um, Aberdeen fans, they would. They would probably drink in the Loudoun Tavern if it was in Lisbon, wouldn't they? And they could enjoy a nice away day in Europe, but of course they couldn't. And they also were very frustrated by watching the team play very well against a side that typically you'd expect to beat them by quite a few goals. Obviously, there was reasons why they didn't, uh, all involving COVID. But ultimately, quite a frustrating evening. Yeah, I mean, as I said, the Tom Watt, um, who is sort of our resident Aberdeen fan, he was talking on our chat about it was the first time how deflated he felt that he wasn't able to go to a game. And I did feel for Aberdeen fans because it's sort of like the peak sort of trip that you could get for a for a team, I would say, in, in Scotland, outside the old firm anyway, is a trip to such a great city to play such a big team. People would have absolutely loved it. So I did feel sorry for the Aberdeen fans for, for once in my life. Um, but they so it started with a three, three at the back. Both teams started with three at the back actually, in the game in Aberdeen with a 3-4-1-1 where um, Ryan Hedges was given a complete support in uh, Watkins with a completely free role, which he'd done really outstandingly all day. He put in, considering last year that we talked about Hedges, maybe the lack of work rate being the thing that maybe put McInnes off him, that changed dramatically this season. And last night, I really epitomised that he was absolutely everywhere. I'm not saying that everything came off for him, but he supported the play at each side. So whenever Aberdeen had the ball, he was always an option at either side of the pitch. And also he worked back defensively uh, and won the ball quite frequently. Um, so he was uh, super uh, the, the whole game. Uh, and unfortunately for him, he missed sort of Aberdeen's big chance. So it's really been his fifth goal in Europe this season. What, what was the big chance like? What actually happened? Because that's not... It, it, it was I, late think, I think most people would have, would have saw the, the chances. Yeah, so um, it was late in the game. I think McKinnis got his um, sort of game plan right. He didn't start Scott Wright in the game. He went uh, sort of with McGeoch, who maybe hasn't played a lot in the league this season, but seems to have appeared in, in most of the European games. Uh, but he got his spot on, I would say, because Aberdeen, I think the plan would have always been for them to be in the game towards the last 20 minutes of the game and Scott Wright to come on and give them some impetus, help link the midfield with the attack and help support... Uh, so the strikers that were, that were on the park by that time. Uh, and he was heavily involved in the chance. He sort of picked the ball up, uh, took a touch around someone and then played Hedges. And suddenly the whole game opened up and Hedges was sort of wide uh, on the left-hand side. And he was a little bit under pressure, but it was Aberdeen's first absolute clear sight of goal. And he, rather than get over it and try to sort of get it low, make sure it was on target, he went for... 
maybe not the most spectacular, but maybe the one that if he gets it right, definitely goes in, if you know what I mean. So he hits it with the, with the outside of his left foot and sort of drills it towards, uh, on the slice and drills it towards the top corner, uh, the near post in it, and it goes just wide. And uh, the deflation at that point uh, for Aberdeen, because they know that has basically been working towards that moment for the whole, so by that time, that was about the 86th minute. The whole game had been been working towards that, all the work, all the cutting off angles, all the holding the shape for most of the game had been working towards that avenue and unfortunately they didn't do it. They will be so frustrated at how the, the only time that their, sort of, their compact nature as a back five and the line for them um, defending, it was the only time was in eighth minute that they, they weren't in sync with each other. Um, but Ross McCrory tried to drive forward with the ball. He tried to take a bit of responsibility. I wouldn't look at sort of blaming him for, for this, but he was dispossessed going forward. And then um, the player for Sport Lisbon was driving forward with the ball. And then Ash Taylor sort of evacuated where he was. Considine was sort of closing the ball. And then the other two uh, Aberdeen players sort of dropped in. So suddenly there was two going forward, two dropped in, and a huge gap on the right-hand side of their defence. And the player was just able to play a neat ball into the to the striker, uh, who I've forgotten her names. I've got them written down somewhere, but nobody really cares about the sport Lisbon no. players anyway. No, okay. uh, and he he was an eighty, he was a young striker, Samal or something like that. He was an eighteen year old striker. They had a few of them on the part, and he made a nice finish and neatly brought over the goalkeeper. Looking at sport Lisbon, for what I read, um, there was nobody in their team that was making a debut apart from new signings that had been bought. Uh, everyone else had been a member of the first team squad previously, so it wasn't the sort of reserve or youth team that was maybe what people were expecting. They were missing their manager. They haven't played since um, lockdown. I don't think they'd had three pre-season games. They had they, their, their opening league game had been called off. So this was their first game, and you could see there wasn't maybe some guys hadn't really played together before. They were lacking cohesion, and that might have helped Aberdeen's cause. I think the Aberdeen deserve a lot of credit for they were willing to press the game at points. They weren't just playing how you'd expect, a really low block, backs to the wall. They really grew into the game after the goal. They didn't just um, sort of freeze, which is kind of what I half expected at that point. I was like, oh, here we go. 2-0, 2-0 by half time, 3 in the early, and then the ball just kept off them, which is what I was expecting. But they really played their way back in. Um, as I said, Ross McCrory was supporting on the right-hand side, Logan, uh, which was needed because I don't think Logan really had the legs for the wing-back role getting up and down, which is maybe what was needed for them. He was playing more as a defensive right side, as you would expect. But McCrory was getting over and supporting the right-hand side. And as I said, Hedges was doing it. So it was impressive because they were able to create um, sort of overloads in the, in the wide areas. Again, similar to what Motherwell were doing against uh, Coleraine. Uh, last, <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry. What, what did Cole, Coleraine... Uh, I don't, I don't recognise that team for last week. Sure, no, no, they not. Say the word, Tony. <laughs> Colouring <laughs> the Slovenian champions. I was going to ask: Do you think that that ability to to grow back into the game has come from year on season on season European experience? Because I, because I, I, it kind of made me think. Because I saw like again watching them last week against Viking, they did again. Like you said, they started in both halves quite shaky but grew into the game. And it just, I've, and I'm not in spoiler alert, that's something that Motherwell didn't do. Like when Motherwell went goal down, they kind of didn't have the belief that they could 
get well, it appeared to me that they played okay, but they still didn't have the place they could grow back into the game. And do you think that is something that McInnes is uh, McInnes has got more is getting more and more games under his belt and just consistently being in Europe every season allows you to build up that wealth of um, yeah, well, you maybe don't shit your shit your pants the second that something goes wrong, uh, because you've been there before. You understand it. You know um, it's just like any other football match. You're going to have to play your way back into it. And I think there's sometimes there's a lack of thought for that in European games because people just get starry eyed, uh, especially when it's the um, sort of non-old firm teams. It's got even the old firm teams have been guilty of it in the past. Um, so, yeah, I would totally agree because it was a feature of this game. I mean, Aberdeen, they started pretty well. They looked compact, but then Sporting Lisbon's best period was from maybe the fifth minute to the twelfth minute uh, in the first half. And that was pretty much all Sporting really offered in that time. And uh, I just, as I was going back to say that, that I, was, I was impressed with how brave they were. I'd say the second they got the ball, they would move uh, Considine over to the left, as you'd expect. Hayes would go on to the left-hand side of midfield. Hedges would go to whatever, whatever side the ball was on. Hedges would go there and McCrory would push on to the right. And uh, Aberdeen were unfortunate that the referee was very fussy uh, all through the game. And it worked in their favour once when I think um, uh, Hoban made a, made a bit of an error and got, and got away with it at the back. But on the whole, I say that it would work against them because they weren't able, ever able to touch anyone at Sport Lisbon and put any sort of physical nature into the game, which is what Aberdeen would, would want to do, I guess, especially against a team that's had an, a disrupted pre-season, hasn't played any games. You would want to get physical, you'd want the game to maybe speed up a bit. Um, but the referee really put, paid to that a lot, and it was a bit unfortunate because Watkins was constantly getting um, penalised for, for, for having his hands on, and it was really nothing in it. He was just scampering about, trying to hold the ball up, trying to link play, and... They in sort of the first half, the most, the best that they could muster was some Johnny Hayes going to the box. He, he had an opportunity to cut it back. It was the one time that the Aberdeen midfielders actually pushed on into the box and gave options, and he wasn't able to get his foot round in it. He got it towards the goalie, and that was a nice link up play. And then outside of that, it was more set pieces as you'd expect, and they were just hitting Ash. It was Ash Taylor o'clock every time they got every cross, every free kick, every corner was aimed towards Taylor trying to get the knockdown. Um, I don't mind that. It's hard enough. They're playing in a really tough arena um, and that was probably their best bet. Sorry, um, sorry if you said this, Ellen. I missed it. Was McCrory back in midfield? Yes. McCrory right. was back in midfield. It was Considine, Hoban and Ash Taylor, Taylor as the back three. Uh, Hayes on the left of that, obviously, turned into a 4-4-2, as I, as I just said previously, when they got the ball. Uh, and then it was Lewis Ferguson, McCrory and McGeoch in the middle with Hedges and um, Watkins. Was it Logan front. on the right then? Yeah, uh, Hogan was uh, Hoban was on the right. Well, Logan was on the right and Hoban was on yeah, the right, uh, right centre half. Um, and Shea Logan few... still still fucking wing backs. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I felt for he'll Crody... never be replaced. <laughs> just, I felt for like I said that not that Logan played badly per se. He he, he, ta- he was he was he got some tackles and he put some blocks in. But if there was someone fitter and had more legs, they could have supported McCrory. And when they had McCrory and Hedges going over there, like they were able to link up. If there was another person bombing on, actually the one time they got uh, a bit of joy in the first half and got the ball into the box, that was the one time that Logan did run beyond. I think he ran beyond McCrory. And then because there was a dummy run, he was able to go inside and sort of charge into the box. Uh, and that was rare because I'd say the only... And they were pressing the ball, Aberdeen. There was a period in the first half where I really started to get a bit excited because I was like, 
are Aberdeen hemming sport and Lisbon in here? Because there was like about a three or four minute period where Aberdeen were, they, they couldn't get out Lisbon, but Aberdeen couldn't create anything with that. And then, uh, and that's something, again, credit to McInnes, and uh, this might be exactly what Duncan's talking about, lot, lot, a, le- a, a breadth of experience playing in Europe is that they, they, they sort of knew the times to maybe up at up, up a notch, commit some bodies, pressurise a bit, and then went to move back in. Um, and I, I think if Aberdeen can get a bit of luck, maybe next season, because going by their start, they're going to be back in Europe. They could maybe, with this experience, looking at this performance, going away to Viking uh, last week, which isn't the easiest. It was a, it's a decent Norwegian side. They've won 2-0. The way Duncan spoke about it, it wasn't like uh, a backs to the wall. They were, they were probably the better team. They looked comfortable for large periods of it. And this today, yes, it's a depleted Sport Lisbon team. It's a team uh, a bit disorganised because they've not had the opportunity, but it's still out bloody much higher level than they're used to playing and um, they were never ever ever out of this game uh, and they got the as I said the intelligence levels of when to press when to sit when to be compact when to try and commit some men uh, I thought was really smart and if they've got a bit of luck from a set piece or that hedges chance they're taking that game to extra time and that game in extra time Aberdeen oh they can start to look like this team's not played a game in so long. They've got a chance in there because they've got much more power in their legs this season. So it was, they'll be, strange enough, despite it being a good result, they'll look back on this with an air of um, regret maybe that there was a chance to maybe do something. And um, I said Scott Wright was the man who, who really nearly did. He was so impressive when he came on. Uh, and it's starting to look like his consistency levels. Now it's just every single game he looks like He's the main link player. He looks like the most creative player in the team, along with Hedges. Uh, and they two look like they really, really enjoy him playing together. So, aye, brilliant. Um, I think really unfortunate for, for, for Aberdeen, if I'm being honest. Well, Don's we salute you. Nice, nice effort. Right, let's move on. Coach for nothing. Coach for nothing. hating but... them. And... <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to Celtic. Uh, Celtic defeated uh, Riga. I'm not going to call them FC Riga, because why did we put that bits on when we talk about foreign clubs why does that make any sense we do like FC FC Basel no just Basel why FC well I forgot that, I forgot to actually mention so now that we've moved on is the whole Sebastian Coates Coates conundrum uh, was in the game he was the captain the sport in Lisbon last night uh, and Coates. I was doing a bit uh, yeah I was doing a bit of research so apparently he says it is Coates Fowler which I didn't know ah, bollocks that's just because he's like and, but, third generation uh, Argentine uh, Uruguayan, yeah, and it's Whatever. Like because, uh, <laughs> but it was interesting because his dad is Scottish, but I'm not even sure if his dad's second name was Coates because he was talking about he had. Is it, no, is his dad Scottish? I thought it was like his his grand. Ah, uh, yeah, like third something. generation or something. Like that, but maybe that he was saying that um, the name nobody in his family speaks English anymore, so they've always referred to it as Coates. Yeah, but that's, maybe, that's what's happened. But it's originally Coates. It's Coates. It originally Coates, right? So it's Sebastian Coates, and there's yeah. no arguments to be had. Sebi Coates. It's Coatsy for Cumbernauld. <laughs> ah, for, for Broomhouse. Coatsy. <laughs> like I've got a feeling it was actually Greenock, his uh, family originated from. He was pals with Graham Sooners. <laughs> Coatsy for Greenock. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but so everyone's calling him Coates, and I was sitting there all smug after my uh, sort of saying, it's Coats, it's Coats. And um, we've got Willem 2 or Willem 2 or so. Who knows? Who knows? It's all too European for me. I'm too scaffy and chavy to know how to pronounce all this stuff. Right, so leave me be. 
Right, so I think that we've gone into a wormhole about how to pronounce this that Celtic versus Riga was not a very good game. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> plus, there's enough to talk about though, because Celtic were shite. Garbage, yeah. Really poor. Uh, they just, first half, they didn't play, in fact, forget first half. Well, no, to be fair, actually, that would be a bit harsh. Second half, they did uh, skip up the tempo a little bit, especially the last 30 minutes. But first half, the lack of tempo was just ridiculous. They were just playing square passes, not moving at all, not trying to do anything, not trying to come up with any sort of creativity, not being shown any sort of adventure, trying to break the home team down. And it meant the fact that the home team actually looked just about as dangerous as Celtic did, if not more, because they kind of had a... Not like chances, but a couple of kind of scary opportunities on the counter-attack. There was one where Christopher Iyer made a complete arse of it, and it was a three-on-one scenario. The forward should have done better, but Beaton did do very well to get across and snuff out the danger. That happens a lot, though, if you think about it, because if you've got a team that's got really sterile, crap possession with no tempo... Uh, they grab the ball. The other team, the second they get the ball, they, they've got space to play in. Uh, so automatically, it always seems like they're actually the most dangerous side in that scenario. Yeah. yeah and- I think I saw a stat uh, that Christian Wolf put out that said something that Ayer and uh, Duffy had more passes combined, or more, yeah, more passes combined than the whole of Riga. Like, yeah, and that's, team- not, that's not what you want. Uh, from Doesn't matter. Duffy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Uh, because Ayer was a bit poor defensively. He gave away a couple of fouls in dangerous areas as well. But Duffy, Duffy was okay it's, defensively. Has his head been turned fouler? If we're yeah, 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 it might have done. Turned. I think it might have done. I think, I think he, his head has been turned. Because uh, he, uh, he doesn't seem to be performing well at all in any game. The cross, the cross is coming in. Ayer's coming to head it. Oh, his head's been turned. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ends up being, it ends up being like the Livingston guy who tried to header it and he ends up headering it the wrong way when he was the wrong goal. I was just wandering away, wandering off the park. <laughs> Is that my land scout? <laughs> Let me talk to you. Well, if they'd been watching him recently, I wouldn't be putting my hands <laughs> in for 14 million quid. Because he's given problems with some really, really, really Joe Average football players. I realised I just uh, criticised the use of Riga and then I said, or FC Riga, and then I said AC Milan, which is exactly the same thing. Same thing. So, yeah, I'll, I'll fuck that up enough. Right, aye, so, again, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but Celtic fans sound like a broken record uh, as well, uh, because they're saying the exact same thing I am. What the fuck is Scott Brown still doing in this team? Uh, the, the only decent, so I don't want to repeat myself too much from Monday's show, uh, because Pretty much everything I outlined there was on display last night. There's no point in him being in the 3-5-2 because his usual thing of dropping back into the defence uh, to, to allow the centre-backs to split doesn't really make any sense when it's a three, even though he still fucking does it anyway. And he's, at this point in his career, he's not really got the ability to impact the game further forward. And that was exactly the same last night. I didn't even think he was necessarily that bad when the ball did come his way. It's just that he really... He didn't fit in the game at all. I almost felt a wee bit sorry for him that it was not really his fault. Lennon shouldn't be putting him in, in those positions. Uh, obviously, to, but I ultimately didn't feel sorry for him because Lennon's probably just playing him all the time because he's a drinking pal. And I just, it must be so frustrating for, for Celtic fans because, yeah, you're winning, but you want to be winning more comfortable. You want your team to be playing better football. You, you've got, your squad is worth, what, 100 million at least? Yeah. You want your team to be blowing opponents away, especially opponents that are vastly inferior to you, and they're not doing that. And this is a big reason why. And it was just, it was just, it's, it's actually annoying me, really. But it doesn't sound like, like, like to be that lackluster, like, just must be 
just crap like you know what i mean like yeah. it must, like it just must be just so underwhelming and you can't really get excited about the team that you sport because you know that it should be much better than it is and and just, will this allow will this allow complacency just to completely sneak in because they're, they're, res- they're still getting results they're still yeah, getting results possibly. and eventually they'll get an event like um an example like they've got they've got hibs next week i think they've got Aberdeen soon as well. Uh, and I, then I, I, th- I think there, it's a, there, is a, there is a complacency culture at Celtic. I said, I, I think I was right in saying that after the League Cup win, where they got, uh, you know, where they got battered by Rangers. Oh yeah, they did. Like absolutely battered. And, I, and what happened is they went off celebrating that and thinking that was absolutely brilliant. Uh, and then Rangers went and turned them over at Christmas because... I just I could see it coming just because there was they had a point through and there was kind of a, I think in Lennon's nature there is a there is sometimes a, a thing about coasting a little bit that things like it was all right in the end so actually we'll, we'll, we can we can forgive enjoy the moment yeah That's, can, that might uh, come through yeah, that yeah. might come through the fact he's a fan as well well it's I mean like, yeah, he's, he's it, so goes, it goes it goes back to his hips days of being totally satisfied with that five all draw when three days before he'd fucked it tactically against Hearts. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's that sort of thing like, that, he, that he does. But the, the the ends justifies the means as far as he's concerned. And I think it's that's big, what I would worry about. It's a big period. Like I said, we've got Hibs, Aberdeen and Rangers, I think, all coming up maybe in the next five weeks, maybe, maybe less. Um, so you could argue that Celtic have probably had... Uh, pretty decent start a pretty decent start in terms of the opposition they've had to come up against um, and I mean they, they still never they weren't, didn't put Killy to the sword and Killy are still pretty low down in the league despite some decent performances um, what happens if he gets found out a draw on Sunday uh, defeating the old firm maybe gets beat off Aberdeen did they, wait, how, would, would they pull the trigger is it something that is possible this I season I don't think so because it's still I think they'd have to be trilling by a bit for them to do that. Uh, because what's a bit? Because what, January, they're five points behind Fowler. Nah, I don't know. Do the performances would have to really Ah, uh, It would have to be terrible performances or they'd have to be like double figure. And that's the thing, the performances aren't terrible, they're just... Yeah, they're just... They're just... They're, well, they're mediocre. Yeah, and they're lacking no kind of one, no one wants, for like, No one wants their club to be described as mediocre. Yeah. Like, even if you're getting results. Like, you want them either... You want to be that enraged by how badly they're playing or it's or an absolute treat to Enthralled by how good they are. Yeah. And then, I, I remembered... Get... Sorry, I remembered an extra point I was going to make in the Brown thing that, uh, that fell out my head earlier, which was that I heard a, a not bad point on 20-minute uh, attempts. Now, they're not big fans of having uh, Lennon... Uh, sorry, having Brown and playing every week anyway. Uh, but they said that, you know, maybe, you know, when you're playing with the, the back three, uh, and this did occur a few times with Livingston, it was something I missed, but I kind of realised after they said that, uh, after listening to their show, that they made a decent point, was that Brown kind of dropping in the back three allowed Ayer to push forward a lot more, and Ayer had a good game against Livingston, kind of carrying the ball forward and, and starting attacks. But then I kind of thought, well, Ayer didn't have a good game against Riga, so if he does have a good game, Brown just becomes pointless again. And <laughs> also, if you have somebody, if you have McGregor and Chapman in number six, they can just carry the ball forward. Nah. They're actually just stay where they are. Yeah, so you're just you're still just got you've got people that are just repeating roles that they can all do that still just to try and Scott sell Brown obsolete, Brown. obsolete, yeah. obsolete. So I should probably talk about something else other than Brown because he's not the only problem. Edward again barely looked interested. 
Uh, he, he, he didn't get a lot of support, to be fair, in his time in the park, but still, you've seen him play much better in Europe and look much more up for it, and he, he, he didn't really uh, last night. Uh, there could be a lot of people crashing into each other in the old firm game because they're not looking the right way. <laughs> <laughs> Too many head turns. <laughs> <laughs> Ayer, Edward and Morelos all suffer massive concussions for a three a three person collision in the set of the park because they're all looking they're in the walking. stands. They're all looking in the stands for who's there to watch them. And right, the positives were that I think Brian Christie played reasonably well. He was the probably the star man of the Celtic team that started the game. He wasn't necessarily great, but he was the one that only really seemed to be playing the game with the necessary urgency that his teammates weren't shown and Jeremy Fringpong off the bench was superb he just beat his man time and time and time again and eventually it came through by a goal where he pretty much at the corner flag with two of them on him he knocked it knocked across through one of the guy's legs and El Unice were a, a decent run well sorry a good run and a decent finish and I was so relieved because I was doing the you know, live blog stuff for the Scotsman I was having to go from the Celtic game right into the Rangers game and it was about like an 8 minute period for me to like eat my fucking tea and I was like oh, please don't go to extra time because I don't know when I'm going to eat so I'm going to have to go one game or the other I'm going to have to, and how I'm going to do this blog where I'm like watching one game and another game is taking place I'm like oh this <laughs> Both is the same time so like Celtic score I'm like yes get in two laptops <laughs> just fingers going out everywhere like that, and watching not looking at one two looking at two screens and typing on two screens absolutely yep. incredible Aye, I would have would have died. So I was very happy at Celtic's let go. I just wanted a, a let go, any go. Just don't go extra time, please. I, I think you'll find a lot of journalists say that, uh, regardless of what team they support, if they're if they're reporting on a game and it's a midweek game and you're like deadlines like like ten like half ten or something and you're just like game might go extra time. I don't care who scores now, just anybody, please <laughs> score. <laughs> My heart bleeds for you. <laughs> <laughs> Should these days we've paid fuck all. <laughs> <I know. laughs> <laughs> right, uh, I think that's enough about Celtic. Right, Duncan, final game, Motherwell uh, away to Hapoel Beersheba. Motherwell were defeated 3-0 with uh, Declan Gallagher being sent off for the penalty, which led to the second goal. But they did have some opportunities, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Uh, I can't say I saw them all because the feed was shit. Uh, coming, that I was glad it's uh, paid ten pounds to watch coming oh, through no. on a like fifty-six point six k modem. Like it generally reminded me when I was 13 and got glasses for the first time the first time I went to a game at Easter Road I forgot to bring them uh, I, to watch the game and so I could make out colours and uh, and, and, and shape <laughs> and that was about it and that, that, that was what most of the stream was um, but I think naive is basically is how I would sum up that performance um, that, that you know, you can't in a variety of places just um, Stephen O'Donnell a naive performance it was, he was at fault for the first goal loses loses man just just thought like he put it this way he, <laughs> he lost his man early enough that Declan Gallagher looked like it looked like it was Declan Gallagher's fault Good. for the goal like that's how that's how easy it was he and hates then, playing in international or European games Stephen O'Donnell doesn't well I mean uh, yeah he, I he hates playing at a high level especially uh, yeah, 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 yeah. really that was a nice way of me saying that yeah I yeah I I think Motherwell have, uh, the, the stories are that Motherwell have offered him a longer term deal and he's not accepted yet still in the hope that someone else will take him yeah but his performances so far with not on these performances this is with the exception of maybe his first game against him, given his performances, yeah. I might think about taking that. 
Um, he loves and, the Motherwell as well. It's so easy. I know he's got exactly. I'm sure Graham will be around knocking on his door to let, let him know that, <laughs> that, that other, other, there's no other opportunities out there. Might just be, mate, please. Uh, it might just be like the sort of Murray Davidson thing. His was an injury. Stephen O'Donnell's was locked down and stuff. That maybe you just missed the boat, man. Uh, and now, like maybe there was the period that you were hitting the the heights under Steve Clark. They might become the anomaly, and really, you're just a decent premiership. Well, player. that's the thing as well. He's only. Like, I mean, it's only a few games and he didn't really have the, the best of summers because he was kind of waiting for a club and didn't get it. So I can imagine that his summer was quite interrupted. So it might, might just be taking... with Hamilton, come on. It might, yeah, he might just be taking <laughs> a wee bit to get up to speed. But I thought I thought he was better last season than some people made out. But there was a, a few Kelly fans who weren't necessarily pleased with performance compared to the previous two years. So if you're looking at that, you're saying that he was only really playing at a kind of Scotland calibre level while Steve Clark was his manager. And the main thing about Steve Clark was his ability to improve players. So... Mm. I'm not yeah. saying this is definitely the case because I still like Steve O'Donnell. I still think he's a good player. I think he will go on. If, if he does stay any longer at Motherwell, I think he'll go on to be a very good signing overall. But, you know. Something the, we'll keep an eye on, Fowler. Yes. Something the possibility we'll keep eye on. It is there. It's there. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, you I'm not saying no. it, but, no. but some people may say <laughs> that. <laughs> and to continue that theme with Naive, so you had Naive Mark and then you had just a, a truly astounding what about four seconds worth of, of actual game time from Death and Gallagher where he wipes out uh, wipes out well, I mean, speaking about people who've not had a good start to the season Death and yeah. Gallagher holy shit uh, yeah well, and you saw it like just takes takes a yellow card wipes probably doesn't need to wipe the guy out but you'll leave wants to make an impression or whatever Ball gets swung in from the resulting free kick, and you're hauling the boy down. The quickest double yellow card you've like, you know, bang. Three seconds of gameplay later, bang, you're off. You you can that's you that's you conceding a penalty, which the which uh, Suarez uh, converts and scores two nil. Like the game's like you're not you're not coming back in thirty degree heat in Israel on a terrible pitch, and and the rest of that was just it was just a, a naive performance from Motherwell. They, they got involved too much. They were overly physical. Like I, they didn't have the advantage that they had. Some of the referees and they were playing teams from. You fight your way. What was it? He always says, "Fight your way to play." Is that battle to play? Aye, or some, some, some ball, battle so to that. earn, earn to play, earn to play. That's earn it. Earn the right but, to play. You know, it, uh, that was fine when they were playing part timers in terms of uh, Glenthorne and Colrain, and even then they were unconvincing last for the past few weeks, but. They were just playing against an Israeli team, admittedly one that uh, are on reduced. They're not the same profile reading, out, up, reading up about them that they were when they were playing Celtic a few years ago. You know, they, they have re- uh, reduction in, in wage bill and stuff like that. But they, they've played European football before. They're smart. They're canny. Like, they, I think they t- there was eight bookings in the end and f- four, five of them were for Beersheba. But the, you could see that Motherwell were going to lose their head more than the others. Like there was just mm-hmm. the game management wasn't. There's it was like it was like what I've, I've just seen this <clears throat> performance so many times from Scotland, Scottish clubs, and Scotland internationally, where the players are getting annoyed by the other team being a bit fly, like and it's and a bit sly, and it's just yeah, it's the, you and, know and they're again, going to do it. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, and and so and, and that's what I mean by in terms of I don't think Aberdeen are falling into that trap anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they probably were guilty of it a few years ago, and it was. Again, Motherwell's performance wasn't terrible, but once they went behind to 
a preventable goal, and then they give away a, a, a then they give away a, a, an easily uh, an easy penalty, and then the third goal was a nice piece of work. But you know, they're open, you know, they're opened up by that stage. It's, it's all over, um, and you know they had a ch- they had a good chance. Uh, Long missed a good chance early in the first half that would put them one 0 up. They had an opportunity early in the second half that would made it to uh, one all. Did what? But did what not miss, miss a big chance as was, well? Yeah, that was the chance in the, second, yeah. in the second half. But if you don't take them, then you, you know, that you're you're never going to have a chance. And you, know, as I said, they were fairly unconvincing despite the result against Glentoran. They were hugely unconvincing last week against Coleraine. So, is it really that much of a surprise that they ended up getting uh, getting knocked out at this stage? No. <laughs> <laughs> Tony's just coming with the answer for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is there anything more to say about any of these games? I think we've just about gone for no, I think, yeah. It'd be nice if fans were able to go to these games at yeah. some stage. Uh, but, it'd also be uh, nice if another club made it to a fucking playoff round, eh, other than just Celtic Rangers every year. I mean, we're thankful for Celtic Rangers doing it every year because otherwise our chances of getting in anywhere close to. Well, I'm certainly thankful. I get the other side of the argument that you don't want Rangers to be going far in Europe because it, because it embeds in quality, yeah. Yeah, uh, but in my experience, that inequality is always going to be there. They get £50,000 coming to their yeah. game every week and, and we don't. <laughs> the thing is, there's an element of that, that I'm, I'm being selfish about now and you want to be at a stage where you know in advance who you're going to be playing so you can get you can book the flights as opposed to... Uh, you know, like if you're having to, you do it week by week, and just you're just hoping, and you're having to go to, I don't know, an, an out the the seventh biggest town in Moldova, uh, doesn't isn't as fun as you know, like like Aberdeen did, and they've earned the right to get a game against Lisbon. I'm uh, I'm quite excited about this Europa Conference jazz that's coming up next season. I don't know why they deliberately called it by a name that... Uh, it's rubbish. Well, certainly in the UK connotations, it's, it's been in non-league. But, uh, <laughs> so I didn't really understand why they're instantly trying to put their own competition down. I never understand it. They must uh, have like, been naming it from like, American perspective where conference means something entirely yeah. different. Maybe, yeah. But know, Europa Bowl or Europa Plate. Europa Bowl is better than fucking Europa Conference. Absolutely, yeah. But I think Maybe again, like I said, it might just be from an English speaking perspective or a UK perspective yeah. that name uh, sounds daft. I don't know. But um, Euro Division. Yeah. Bloody do that, it'd be great. Euro <laughs> sponsored, by, sponsored by Burger King or some shit. It'd be absolutely <laughs> class. Uh, but we uh, I'm looking forward to that because it might give us a more avenue. And like we we don't care. Like, let's be honest. We know that nobody cares about our league and we still absolutely love it and talk about it all the time and do this sort of stuff for it. So I don't care if everyone else talks about from other countries or an English Premiership laughs at this Europa Conference. I can easily ignore that if our clubs are in group stages and away playing games and stuff like that. I'll find loads of fun uh, and take that hugely seriously if Billy Hibbs or Kilmarnock or Aberdeen or Hearts are away to to sort of some play Lithuanian. Team. Call, call, know, me, call me a miserable old cynic. I think this competition old cynic. will last four years. <laughs> And if there's four years where we get loads of fun away games and win them, Fowler, that's four years well spent for me. I know, I'm gonna, uh, yeah, I'm still, I'm still, I mean, if Hearts get somehow getting to... I mean, I, uh, I think... Oh, the, I come on, play. Fowler, slow down. <laughs> the, the Inter-Total lasted at least... Inter-Total lasted at least 10 years, didn't it? So, I mean... I suppose be, I, okay. It has to be really bad for UEFA to chuck it after four. Okay, let me, let me ask you guys, right, I'll give you an over-under of six and a half years. 
I'll hang over your head longer than that. I'll go under as well. Tony's going under. The, sec- the, second, the second I hear that Channel 5 have got the rights for it or something, then I'll know it's absolutely <laughs> down the toilet. I, th- I think... I th- <laughs> I would say that I think it's over six and a half years, but only if it starts, because I think there's a good, there's a chance that it might not. Well, I was going to say that if, yeah. we're, if we're still in the same kind of COVID-infested uh, world as well, there's no point having it. <laughs> but I want to play the Estonian champions. There is no Estonia. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I think it'll be fun. And as I said, I don't really get hung up on the H. I don't care when someone goes the League Cup doesn't matter or all that. It really is water off a duck's back to me. Just the same way as people sagging off our, our football in general. So for me, I'll just enjoy it for, for what it is. And if it's on Channel 5 and Fowler's the commentator, then all the better. God, it's good! You get away with murder on that, like Jonathan Pearson in the old days. Suicide the gooey! You can show anything. It'll be absolutely brilliant. Alvin's hammer back to Roddy Wallace. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> right, thank you very much for listening. Be sure to check out the Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash terrace podcast. Uh, the, the most recent thing to go up there is the second part of the main show that was on yesterday. So that was, it was a bonus show that uh, Telford and Sean did. They spoke for 100 and... I'm going to do that again. They spoke for one hour and 20 minutes on the... 10 most embarrassing moments in the lower league over the last decade, but they've only done 10 to 6. If you want to hear 1 to 5, you need to go to Patreon. It's on the $5 a month tier, and you can listen to the rest of that. It is a further two hours of Telford and Sean. So if you're like most of us and you can't get enough of Shelfer, Shelfer? If you can't get enough of Shelfer, let's just call him that, uh, then you need to head over. You need, you need to pay that cash. You need to support this podcast. We, we love you for it. We will love you for it. Yeah, bit of oh. shelfing. <laughs> and if you want to get in touch, there's the best way is Twitter uh, at Terrace Podcast. And that's pretty much it. Tony, say goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, say goodbye. Goodbye. I'm Craig Fowler saying see ya. Sports Social Podcast Network.